Well, it really is uh, an amazing privilege to be able to open God's Word together and to study God's Word together. And one of the things, uh, actually one of our priorities, one of the things that we focus on as a church is that we apply the Bible to real life. And so we want to create opportunities for you to interact with God's Word. And so as we get ready to do that together today, I want to point out to you a, a resource because we want you to have an opportunity to you know, take notes and jot things down. And you may have your own system that works very, very well for you, and if so, that's wonderful. But I also want you to know about another resource that is designed to help us as we get into God's Word to be able to interact with it a little bit better. Uh, and, and that is you know, the, the whole thing of paper bulletins and writing things down in there. That's kind of a thing of the past now. Um, but we do have a, a moment ago, Sharissa mentioned our church app. Here's one of the reasons I would encourage you to download the church app is because there will be a bulletin every week that you can interact with, take notes on. You actually get to the end of it and you can actually email yourself the notes each week so you can keep up with those. So just so you know, that's a resource for you. Uh, and I wanted to walk you through that uh, just real quick so you can kind of see how to do it. Um, so if you did, if you didn't download the app yet, again, here's the, here's the, the um, place that you can do that, either by searching Gateway Wiley or by scanning that QR code. Uh, but when you get the app, uh, just a, a real quick how you get to this point, it's real simple. Uh, we've got some screenshots of, of what it'll look like there, starting with the first page. Uh, this is what it's going to look like when you open the app. There's a home page. You'll see down on the bottom, we circle the little thing that says connect. If you'll click on the connect button, it'll take you to another one where Sundays is one of the options. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but Sundays, if you click on Sundays, that'll take you to another page where it says bulletin. Click on the bulletin, uh, and then that'll pull up the notes for every week. And if you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place under each point where you can click the button that says add notes, and you can add in your own notes. And when you get to the very bottom of it, you'll see it says uh, email. You can email yourself or you know, maybe you think of somebody else you're like this person really needs this sermon today. I think I'll, no, I wouldn't encourage you to do that necessarily without having a conversation. But anyway, just so you know, that's, that's a resource that's out there for you. And every week, rather than doing the Bible app notes as we've done in the past, we're going to be using our own Gateway Church app uh, to have the notes on there. So let's go ahead and jump in today as we continue on in First John uh, chapter 1. I appreciated all that Stephen had to say last week. And especially him cracking jokes about us probably not watching because we're sitting on a beach. We actually were watching. We were just overlooking the beach while we were watching. But uh, we, were, we were in our little room watching church and just having a great time with that. But, you know, he was talking about just the, the God's desire to have a relationship with us. And it got me to thinking about something. And that is, um, you know, if, if we can just, can, can we just kind of, you know, be honest with each other and... This is a safe place to, to acknowledge and admit things to one another, right? So here's the thing. You ever see a couple and they just don't seem to match? They don't seem to fit well together? You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's, everybody's seen this before and you're like, I'm not real sure what I mean. If, if you see, we have certain expectations, certain things that have been ingrained in us. If you see a 25-year-old man, nice-looking young man, you just don't expect to see uh, a 50-year-old, not-so-attractive woman on his arm, right? I mean, that's just the truth. You just don't expect that. And the flip side is true. If you've got supermodel, you know, walking down the red carpet, you expect the guy that's going to be with her to look a certain way. That's just what, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what we are conditioned to. And when something doesn't match, it seems weird. And it's not just an age thing. It's not even just a looks thing. Have you ever seen a couple where maybe there's a, just this amazing 
woman and the guy that she's with, it just treats her like trash and is just, you know, controlling and maybe even abusive. And you're like, you know, I don't understand. Or, or that can be the other way around. You can have a, a very humble and kind man and the woman that he's with resembles the wicked witch of the West. And you're just thinking, what happened here, right? It doesn't match. When, when, when a relationship doesn't seem to match, you're like, I just don't know how that happened. Now, here's where I'm going with that. There is, there is a point to this. Um, when we look at the, the relationship that we have with God, it's not a match. I mean, Jed said this a moment ago. Yeah, it, our understanding that we on our own, we, we're not worthy of God. Why in the world would God desire a relationship with me? Because I'm flawed. I mean, I'm, I'm messed up. But he does. God desires relationship with us. Isn't that just mind-blowing to think about? He wants a relationship with you. Even though it is a major mismatch in that relationship, it's not a pity thing. God genuinely loves you. God genuinely wants relationship with you and with me. And today we're going to dive in a little bit more into 1 John and see what that relationship looks like for, for us. And uh, last week, Stephen led us through the beginning part of this chapter and pointed out the fact that this word that is translated fellowship means koinonia, or that's the Greek word koinonia. What it means is doing life together. This is fellowship that's more than when we think about having a fellowship in the church, that means we're going to eat food together generally, right? Maybe we're going to have a little Bible study. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have food together. Uh, we'll you know, maybe talk about, as I heard so much happening this morning, everybody talking about all the great college football games yesterday. And there were a lot of college football games that were very exciting yesterday. Uh, one of which, because I have a daughter down in College Station, you know, I was falling asleep on the couch off and on, but actually stayed up enough to see A&M win, which was, was pretty shocking to everybody. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that we think of. I'm going to tell you, koinonia is a lot deeper than that. And that's not bad, and I enjoy talking about the football game and all that stuff just as much as anybody. But koinonia is going deeper than that. It, it, is, it is sharing life together. We actually got to experience a little bit of that. Uh, as, as many of you know, we were, uh, went on a little vacation on the beach here uh, last week, I guess the week before that, kind of in between midweek to midweek, and went with some friends that uh, we have had for about 20 years now. Our kids have grown up together, been very, very close friends for a long time. Uh, we vacationed together several times, but never just as couples. This is the first time we've ever gone just the, the, the two couples together. And we were able to experience some true koinonia. I mean, just, you know, just sitting around and, and talking for hours and talking about our kids and talking about what's going on in our lives and talking about even things like, because they're the same age we are, and we're even talking about things like, what's it going to be like to be grandparents someday, you know, as our kids are getting older and kind of beginning to, to, to get out on their own and that kind of thing. And so, but just the, you know, what's, what, what's the future look like for us and all that. It's pretty cool to be able to have that type of of intimate relationships with other people, uh, which, by the way, a lot of us sadly don't have those types of relationships outside of maybe our immediate family in our lives, and that's important. But how much more important is it even still to have that type of fellowship, that type of koinonia with God himself, to have that type of intimate relationship with God where it goes way beyond just a, you know, I come to church or I fear God or I acknowledge God, but no, I have a deep intimate relationship with him. That's his desire for us. 
Um, and that should be our desire, is to walk with God that way. And so, as we jump in today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. And let me just say this on the front end, that in order for us to, to have that type of fellowship with God, we first have to enter into a relationship with God. And I suspect that, that many of you here with us and maybe many who are watching online, joining us online right now, uh, have that relationship with God. But it could be that there's some that don't. And before we get in and talk about how do we go deeper and what does you know, true fellowship look like, can we just stop and say, let's start with square one. And that is the way we enter into a relationship with God in the first place is through acknowledging what Christ has done for us. See, I said a moment ago, it's mind-blowing that God wants a relationship with us, but He does. And the way that we know he, that He does is to look at what He's done for us. He sent Jesus to become a sacrifice for our sins. He gave His life up for us. By the way, a very uh, a bloody and, and violent death that He suffered on our behalf. He did all that because He wanted to become the payment for our sins. He rose from the dead in victory over sin. He's alive today and all of that so that we can have a relationship with him. So before we jump into our, our passage this morning, I just want to encourage you in this. If you're not absolutely sure that you know Christ personally, just stop right now and just pause and say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to trust you. I believe that you do desire a relationship with me. And if you'll just give your heart to him and say, I'm trusting you, I'm turning away from my sin and giving my life to you, um, then you, too, will be, become a part of God's family. And once you do, let's look at, at, at what his desire is for us and how we live out that relationship. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Last Sunday, uh, Stephen painted a, a vivid picture of relationship when he told the story about uh, his daughter Carly. And um, so I, I, I enjoyed that story last week. And I thought, okay, it's my turn this week. But my daughter's not two. The one I want to talk about is 22. And uh, it's my oldest daughter who will be married off here in just a couple of months. Uh, which, by the way, a little side note here. We went to see our, our, our niece uh, who was in a play on Friday, she was doing Little Mermaid and was Ariel and all this. And at the end of that, I'd forgotten about this, but at the end, they get married. And it's this whole song about her leaving her dad to get married. And I'm like, this is not fair. I did not sign up for this right now. I'm going to have a hard enough time in a couple of months. I don't need to have this thrown in my face yet. But anyway, we did. Uh, but, but I think back to that time uh, when she was much younger. And uh, one of the things about little Brooke, especially when she was little, was... She loved to be with her daddy. And I'm going to tell you, I love the fact that she loved to be with her daddy. And that where I would go, she generally wanted to come with me. I remember you know, back in the day, we would set up the church on Saturdays. We'd go in, and when we were meeting at the Whistle Stop School, 
uh, over right, right on uh, Murphy Road, close to Renner. That's where we started. And we'd go in on Saturday, and we would take all the kids' stuff in, and we'd set up all of our chairs, old plastic uh, chairs like lawn chairs, you know, a couple of them busted in the middle of services, and that was another story. But, but we would set up every week. She would go with me on Saturday. And then I would go in early on Sunday to kind of get things ready, and she'd go with me early on Sunday mornings. And, and I'm going to tell you, you know, it wasn't the most fun thing in the world to do for a child that was three or four years old or whatever she was when we first started. Um, but she just wanted to be with her daddy. And I, I read this passage, and it just makes me think about, you know, that fellowship that we have, walking with God, is all about just being with our Father. See, wherever I went, she wanted to go. And what that meant was that I determined whether she would be walking in light or walking in darkness. Right? I mean, if I decided one day, instead of going to church to set up, we're going to go hang out at the strip club or we're going to go find us a drug house to go to or whatever. You know, if, if that's what I did, then she, she would come with me because she went where I went. If I'm walking in light, she's walking in light. If I'm walking in darkness, she's walking in darkness. Now, I never obviously took her to those kinds of places. But I can tell you this, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because I'm a sinful person that there were times that my attitudes weren't right. That I wasn't always modeling for her when she was with me what it was like to walk in the light. So there were times where she probably was brought into some element of, of not walking in the light. But what this passage reminds us of is this, that, that as long as we are with God, we don't have to worry about that. Because verse, six, uh, verse 5 rather says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. So that's really the, the first of the main ideas that I want us to look at today is the fact that God is all light and no darkness. And we probably know that. It's probably not a big shock to us, but we need to remind ourselves of just how important it is that God is all light and no darkness. It's amazing how many times we see this theme of light associated with the presence of God, right? I mean, go back to, and then I'll just take New Testament examples for now, but go back to the um, birth of Jesus, Luke 2, 9, when, uh, when the, the uh, birth of Jesus was being announced to the shepherds who were out in their fields uh, watching their flocks, and it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them, and there's just light everywhere. Matthew 17, uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountainside with him. This is what we call the transfiguration. And it says in chapter uh, 17, verse 2, it says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So when they got to see a picture of the, the true divinity of Jesus, it was just this picture of, of light. Think about Saul, whose name, of course, later was changed to Paul. When he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus spoke to him and called him out, uh, called him to himself, it says that a light from heaven came down. It was so bright that it blinded him for three days. And then I think about Revelation 21, 23, which describes heaven this way. It says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. See, God is all light. And we see this theme over and over and over in Scripture, that God is light. And the point that it's making here is that there's no dark side to God. You realize that, right? There's no dark side to God. Sometimes it seems to us as if there is. You read through your Old Testament and you see things like God 
wiping out entire groups of people. And it might seem to us, man, that, that feels like a dark side. You look at your own experiences in your own life and maybe you things that you have gone through or losses that you have incurred or difficulties or struggles maybe that you're in right now. And it might be easy to question, is there a dark side to God? Is, 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 is God truly always good? Is it always light? And the answer is yes. Now there's power. I mean, think about a laser, for example. Intense light is very powerful. It's not something to be toyed around with. But God is light. God is good. Even when we are, are questioning or even when we are going through challenges, God is good. He is all light, no darkness. And so if that's the case, if we are walking in fellowship with God, then we are in the light. Because if we're with God, that's, that's all God is. But the flip side of that is true as well. If we are not walking in the light, if we are walking in darkness, that means we're not walking with God. And by the way, it's one or the other, right? You can't be a little bit of either you're in the light or you're in the darkness. One or the other. Let me tell you something that, that just absolutely breaks my heart to say, but I know this is true. It says in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. There's somebody that's listening to me today that is walking in darkness, but pretending as if they're not. Somebody, and, and, and you know, this basically living a double life, pretending. You know that this part of the life isn't there. I heard just a tragic story um, from somebody not, not in our area. I don't even know if this person lives in Texas or not. But um, a young lady whose dad is a pastor. And she found out just recently that dad has been moonlighting as a male dancer at a strip club. Right? I know that's the reaction. It's like, What? But you can imagine how devastating it was to this young lady to hear that about her dad. And, you know, you hear stories like that and you think, is that, does that really happen? I mean, is that really possible? And the answer is it does. And it doesn't have to be that extreme of an example. It happens all the time where we put on a certain front and we pretend as if everything's good and we're all walking in the light but the reality is that, that we may not be and if you find yourself in that position if you are living a lie then I want to encourage you with this it doesn't have to stay that way and we're, we're going to get to this a little bit more later on but there is forgiveness there is um, there, there's the ability for God to change our hearts and so that's good news but in order for us to get there, we, we definitely need to, uh, to, to be honest about where we are. And so that really leads me to the second thing that, that I want to touch on today. And that is that we, we have to be honest about our sin. It starts with being honest with ourselves. I'm going to look at what verse 8 says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Anybody else figured out that we, we are, can be really good at deceiving ourselves? 
we can be really good at convincing ourselves, uh, rationalizing things, telling ourselves, well, this is just normal or this is not a big deal. We're really good at deceiving ourselves. That's why we need some type of objective standard. That's why we need Scripture to, to be able to, to evaluate our own hearts and to see, okay, am I really walking in the light? Or is this just something that, you know, that I'm claiming to do? This is going to become more and more of a challenge, in my opinion, as we continue on. Because our culture is moving more and more and more toward this idea of everything bad that happens is somebody else's fault. Personal responsibility is not something that is uh, typically taught or well-received in our culture. Basically what we're told is if something bad happens to you, that must be uh, you know, somebody else's fault. And the reality is this, sometimes that's true. I mean, there, there are, are many of you perhaps that grew up in a home where you were not treated well. And that's not your fault as a child. There are some who face obstacles in life based on their ethnicity, based on their race. It's not your fault what color of skin you have or you know, your country of origin. That You can't help that. But here's the question. What do we do with those kinds of things? At what point do we say, okay, even if there are things that were not my fault that are impacting my life, at what point do I take responsibility and say, yeah, but how I respond to that is up to me, right? How I respond is my responsibility. And when I don't respond the right way, the Bible calls that sin, and I need to own up to that and, and acknowledge that, okay, it's up to me to to deal with this appropriately. Either we're walking in light or, or we're not. We're walking in darkness. And, and we have to acknowledge that. We have to, to, to confess and, and call out our sin for what it is. You know, it's, it's one thing when it's a big something. You know, when it's something dramatic, like some of the examples I gave a moment ago, you're like, yeah, well, that's, man, that's pretty easy to see, right? But here's the thing that, that I want you to think about today. There are different sins that we deal with that we don't even realize what they are. We don't call them for what they are. Let me give you a great example of one um, that, that a lot of us deal with right now, and that's living in fear. Living in fear is, has be, always been an issue, but over the last couple of years has really uh, become much, much more of an issue. We don't always call that out for what it is, but it is sin because we can't live in faith. We can't walk by faith and live in fear at the same time. Um, so sometimes, it's a little more subtle. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's, uh, you know, just uh, having a, a quicker fuse than we should or, or whatever it may be, but a lot of different things that can, that can cause us to do that. So we, we need to call that for what it is. We need to acknowledge it for what it is. But then, I want us to, to read the next couple of verses, the beginning of chapter 2, because this is where the real encouragement comes. We have to acknowledge our sin for what it is, but then what do we do? Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, 
but also for the sins of the whole world. You see his goal there? He says, I write this so that you won't sin. That's the desire. We want to walk in light. But the truth is, we are not going to walk in the light perfectly. We are not going to um, have perfect fellowship with our Father all the time so that we are constantly in the light. There are going to be times that we walk in darkness. There are going to be times that we sin and, and, and we need to acknowledge that. But when we acknowledge it, the point isn't to say, you know, I'm such a horrible person and I'm just going to, you know, sink into my little shell and, and, and just, you know, loathe myself for a while. That's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is that when we do sin, we have an advocate. Jesus is the one who speaks on our behalf. So here's the last main idea for you today, and I hope you'll hold on to this one for a while, and that is that Jesus advocates for us. Jesus advocates for us. You know what happens a lot of times when we slip into sin, once we do acknowledge it, once we do recognize it, as I said a moment ago, sometimes a Part of the problem is we don't see it for what it is. But when we do recognize it for what it is, what happens is the same thing that happens in other areas of our lives where we make a commitment to change and then we mess up. Let's say, you know, it's a, I'm going to start eating more healthy and here are the guidelines that I'm going to follow. And, you know, maybe you're doing really good for a week, two weeks. Then you mess up, you slip up a little bit. And the easiest thing in the world to do is to say, well, I've blown it, so I guess I might as well just give up, right? It's so easy to fall back into that. Or let's say your commitment is, I'm going to spend time with God on a regular basis. I'm going to start every day. I'm going to get up earlier. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend uh, time with God at the beginning of every day to get every day started. And you do really good, you know, for a couple of weeks, and then you miss a couple of days in a row. And it's really easy to say, I can't do this. And you just give up. And you know, the same thing is true when we're battling whatever type of sin it is. You know, we can be moving along pretty good and walking mostly in the light and having fellowship with God and things are going well. And then you slip up. And it's so easy to listen to that voice that says, you can't do this. Just give up. It's too much work. You'll never change. And so often we just give up. We had a conversation um, with a guy Last week, we, uh, Sean bought her a fancy little ring that she bargained down to $10 on the, on the uh, beach. And, you know, the people always come by and want to sell you stuff. And, and so uh, she bought one from this guy, uh, maybe partly because she liked the ring, but maybe partly too, just to kind of help out a little bit and, so, and, and to initiate a conversation. So we, we're, we're having a conversation with him. His name's Leo. And so we met our, a new friend, Leo, and... and uh, I, I told him I'd use this as an excuse. I said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to practice some of my Spanish. Let me try it out on you. And what I, what I said was, God loves you, right? And I said, is that, did I say that right? He said, you're trying to say God bless you? I said, no. Repeated it again. And that kind of started a little conversation. And what we found out about Leo is that he had a background where he had come to, best I could understand, we did have a little bit of communication gap between us. He spoke a lot better English than I did Spanish, but... I think what I understood about Leo was he had come to faith in Christ previously, had gotten real involved in church and had changed his life, but then he had slipped back into some sinful patterns and his mindset was, because I've done that, now, now I can't go back. 
I can't go back to church again because I've done this. And, and Sean just about came out of her chair. She's like, no, no, no. It was really kind of funny. But she you know, and then was describing God's grace. But I thought, that's, that's a picture. And I wish I had just read this verse. You know, we shared some things with him. But I wish I could have had it on the forefront of my mind to share 1 John chapter 2 and say, but we have an advocate. Jesus is the one who speaks to God on our behalf. You know, when we fall short, when we sin, Jesus advocates for us. Um, that's what this scripture is telling us. And so I hope that you're encouraged by that today. I, I, I want, and part of my prayer leading into this message is, God, do your work to convict. Because here's the thing. Reality is this. If, if you're living that double life and pretending to walk in the light when really you're walking in darkness, I can't change that. There's nothing that I can say that can change that in your life. And so that's why I've been praying, God, do your work. Because only the conviction of the Holy Spirit can, can really change that in us. And I wonder if there's somebody today that, that is starting to get a little bit more honest with yourself right now. Maybe the light's coming on a little bit, and maybe for the first time in a while you're starting to acknowledge, you know what, I, I do have things in my life that I've been trying to hide and I need to deal with them. But here's the thing, you don't have to deal with it on your own. See, Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is the one who speaks to the Father on our behalf. That, that's astounding right there. Jesus himself will come on my behalf and say, I know what Blake did here, but, but I died for that sin. He's been forgiven. He will speak to God on our behalf. He will do that for you. But in order for us to experience that, we have to put ourselves in a place where we're willing to confess, where we're willing to be honest. And so I plead with you today to be honest before God. I plead with you today to allow Jesus to become your advocate, that if there are things going on in your life that maybe nobody else knows about, she would bring those things into the light. I mean, we need to be honest enough to say that that's not going to be pleasant at first. But ultimately, it's for your good to bring those things into the light. Because God doesn't want us walking in darkness. See, as long as we do that, we don't have fellowship with God. We can't walk in the darkness and have fellowship with God at the same time. That's what this passage is teaching us. So I just want to urge you, to bring those things into the light. It may take some courage, but you can do it. With God's help, you can. Let's pray. I just want to pray over that right now. Father, I do ask right now that you would do what only you can do to convict and to encourage and, Lord, just to bring things into the light. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Thank you that you... Um, have paid the price for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for us to bring us out of those things. And so for anyone that's just feeling stuck today, feeling like there's no hope, Lord, would you renew hope in their hearts to trust you fully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.